0: Welcome to inspired after hours, your unique peek into the untold narratives of business leaders. We don't just talk business, we journey through their world, personal stories and unique perspectives. Here we delve beyond corporate facades for intimate conversations that reveal the real life experiences of those who inspire us. Get ready to discover wisdom, extract life lessons and feel your own journey.
1: Welcome to inspired after hours. Welcome to Inspired After Hours, Business Leaders Off the Clock. Today we have with us Jeremy Eugene Wilson. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Motherfucking. Happy to be here, ladies.
1: <laughs> Jeremy, you are a badass in business. You have helped scale dozens of nine-figure companies. You've worked with all the gurus, all the celebrities, household names, and you have a non-traditional approach but what's most important we know about you is your family, but we are here today to talk about your self-mastery work and the study of the science of human behavior. Everybody just went, what does all that mean? <laughs> Let's dive in. Let's dive in. Soul science is what you say your passion is. That's what you've also said is your primary differentiator. Let's unpack that for Kristen and myself and everybody else. What is soul science? Soul science.
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm excited to share what soul science is, because it doesn't matter whether you believe in spirit or soul. Science has proven that we're transmitting, as humans, an electrical frequency, a signal that we are all part of this toroidal energy field, and we have our own aura. And it's not just some hippie talk. This is something that affects all of us in our daily lives. And so when I talk about soul science, it's usually for the purpose of helping understand our individual personalities and how we exchange that energy with each other. And in business, the reason it's so important is because you have to have the right people in the right roles. What allowed me to be very successful early on in my career before I became an entrepreneur in corporate America was the traditional understanding of the e I don't know mm-hmm. if our listeners have, have ever you know, study the E Myth. It's a book written by Michael Gerber way back in the '90s. It's become a, a pivotal focus in business to get the right people in the right roles, right? It, mm-hmm. And it's really built on this premise that there's three core personality types. The E Myth means it's the entrepreneur myth that anyone can become an entrepreneur. And he discovered one of the big reasons that most entrepreneurs fail in business is because a lot of people that get in business for themselves, they decide they're going to own a company, they're going to they're going to build a team. It starts because they're just a good practitioner. They're mm-hmm. a good technician. They're good at their job. And they're like, man, I'm better than a lot of these people around me. I'm tired of giving all the extra cash to the man.
0: Also, everyone's asking you to do it for them. Oh, you're really good at that. Can you do that for me?
2: Yeah, you exactly. Got. You're really good at this. Mm-hmm. I would love your help. Mm-hmm. So a, a lot of people, they believe because they're a good technician, they're a good practitioner, they're, they're good at what they do, that that can transfer into being good at business. But it's a myth mm-hmm. because there's different personality types. Right. It doesn't matter what high level organization you go to. A lot of them have you go through multiple stage interview process and you have to fill out some kind of strengths finder or disk analysis or Myers-Briggs. But those are very conditioned, survey oriented programs that allow people to understand their strengths and their weaknesses to be in the right roles at the the right at the right synergy with other people in the right roles. And so the E-Myth is really built on three personality types. E.M.T. Entrepreneurial visionaries, people that think about the future They're watching the path ahead. They're great innovators. They're great at course correcting, guiding, and leading other people on that vision. Then there's the M's. Those are the managers. Those are people that think about the past a lot, right? And it's good for them to think about the past because then we don't make the same mistakes we made back there. They help build SOPs, standard operating procedures, so that in the future, we do things correctly, we do them efficiently, and we do them in a way that is universal. And then the last is the technicians, the, the practitioners, the people doers. That, the doers. Mm-hmm. And so if you understand this going into business and you can identify what personality type you are, you can surround yourself with other people that synergistically offer the strengths to make up for your weaknesses. And you can create flywheels and build real companies instead of just self-employment. So back to soul science. Soul science is the study of the unseen, that which we can't see with our physical eyes but back to our personalities, our human behavior and how we interact and in exchange with our outer environment and other humans. By studying that, not only can we get the right people in the right roles inside companies, we can create more acceptance, more allowance in our personal lives, understand our family, our dynamics. And it might sound crazy, and this is going to be a long-winded response. So listeners, be prepared. <laughs> Take some notes here. The way I like to describe this, right, uh, This the study of of our soul, the electrical transmission that we're all emanating is-
0: The soul is the electrical transmission? Yeah.
2: Okay, Yeah. got it. Yeah, right, Or we're, we're not just this meat sack, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're actually like a meat sack light bulb. Mm-hmm. We're, we're 70 to 90% volume salt water. And that's really what allows us to be like a big battery of this electrical energy. Mm-hmm. And when that electricity is gone, we're gone. Even though the meat sack remains, we're dead when that electricity leaves. So I love to study that interaction and exchange. And the way I describe this is simple: like, does a fish know it lives in water? I don't. I don't freaking know. I don't talk to fish, but I assume because they're born in water, <laughs> and they swim in water, they breathe water for their oxygen. Unless they leave it, just like unless we go in outer space, they don't really realize they live in water. We're in a, in a similar way with a different set of lenses outside our our eyeballs. We live in a giant ocean of energy, right? It's been really well proven that that energy influences our behavior. If you don't believe that, talk to anyone in, in medical, right? Anyone that works in an emergency room, any, any police officers, mm-hmm. for hundreds of years, it's been well documented. At least once a month during full moon, people act like lunatics. It's called lunacy from mm-hmm. that lunar energy, right? It's a good example. But there's a whole bunch of bodies of energy. And outside of the hippie culture that follows astrology and all that mm-hmm. stuff, there's actually tangible science and proven evidence. HeartMath Institute, um, they've, they've got technology you can buy. Inner, it's called an inner balance heart math meter. You put a little node on your ear. Your heart is transmitting a giant electrical signal. When you're in fear and you're breathing really shallow, that, that electric energy is a very small field. When you're in, in love and higher vibrations, right, when you're inspiring the vibe, mm-hmm. mm. it's transmitting and can be measured hundreds of yards outside the human body.
0: And that matches up with when you think about your like your day to day, you know when you wake up feeling you're not in fear, you're and also, I think when you've gone through something traumatic, I mean, I did went through something traumatic, went through um counseling and was told that essentially I was hunched over and you know, in this, and then, as I began to become more aware of what was happening what I went through, how it affected me, why I'm still reacting to that, because I had PTSD and all this stuff, um, that my spine was straightening. And I still describe it to that day as a straightening of the spine. And, and you feel that, like you wake up, you're not in fear, you're, mm-hmm. you feel your energy. So that matches with real experience. I love that.
2: Yeah, it's a real how, thing.
1: So as a person, as we understand that we, by what you said, communicate energy through energy, Whether that's intentional or unintentional, negative or positive, how do we identify outside of something that's maybe even physical? Like, am I sitting up straight today or am I hunched over? What's the tone of my voice? What are other, like, get down to the nitty gritty, how do I know the energy that I'm projecting? And I guess then the second part of that is, what do I do if I don't like the energy I'm Mm -hmm. projecting or I want to change it?
2: That's a great question. So back to HeartMath Institute. There's a, a really cool device. Anyone can go spend about 150 bucks. It's called a HeartMath Inner Balance Meter. It's a Bluetooth meter you put on your shirt. has a little wire. You hook it up to your earlobe. And in real time, you can measure your heart rate variability and your coherence. And what coherence is, we've got these different faculties. Like I mentioned, our heart is transmitting this electrical energy. But our head is also transmitting a big electrical energy. And a lot of our energy from our vagus nerve, a big centralized wire, so to speak, a, a nerve in our body, a big thick cord that connects from our gut up through our throat to our brain. A lot of people spend a lot of their energy right here. And so if you're thinking a thought, there's a frequency tied to that. And if that frequency doesn't match the frequency of your heart, it creates a co- an incoherent frequency. And you can measure it in real time. There's a little app you download on your phone and in real time you can see where your coherence levels are that means that your heart and your mind agree in the same frequency and just like in music if I if I walk up to a, a, a guitar over here in this corner and I pluck this chord the chord resonates on this guitar at the same time the same frequency when you align those two frequencies you can move into coherence and measure that in real time also the second half of that question how do you how do you shift it when you're like whoa i'm way down here in incoherence mm-hmm. in real time you can use a combination of your breath the little app has a a couple different various ways you can track your breathing and you focus on gratitude you focus on this area of your chest and you can literally feel that energy emanating out and in real time see the electronic biofeedback move into coherence so it's it's real time feedback
1: it almost seems like you're transitioning from thinking to feeling.
2: 100%. I'm thinking,
1: I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. The wheels are turning. The the hamsters are in the wheel. (laughs) The drunken monkeys are taking over upstairs. And instead, I need to quiet that down and instead focus on not what I'm thinking about, but how I'm feeling at that moment.
2: Exactly. I like to call that body set. So many people, especially in entrepreneurship, it all starts with mindsets and skill sets and strategy. But one of the most important parts in there is not mindset, it's it's your being, your your body set, right? And if you study consciousness in general, I think the the greatest scientific collection of evidence of consciousness was created by Dr. David Hawkins, right? Mm-hmm. He wrote Power versus Force and a whole slew of other books, but most importantly, he researched the levels of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And on a zero to a thousand frequency scale, it can be measured, not just with Heart math, but a whole bunch of scientific equipment to measure the frequency of that electrical energy. So body set matters. You can feel when someone shows up and they've got the light in their chest, in their heart, and they're showing up playing full out. I call it soul out, right? From the heart. And it's a real tangible thing. It can be measured.
1: This is so you, Kristen Joy. Because you, my business partner, one of the things that she's so good at is articulating how she's feeling i think a lot of people can run around and they say whether it's a positive or negative maybe they would they hold it in but she has this way of just saying this is where i'm at and one that allows her to communicate where she's at and it allows you to respond but you're always very dialed in in both how you're feeling spiritually mentally physically you're just very tuned in and so you you have the confidence to say (laughs) This is how I'm feeling. So yeah. we need to do something here. I should probably journal because yeah, we've
0: talked a couple of times. And I think every time I'm just drawn to like talking about the things I've been through with you. I only do that with certain people. You know, you don't want to talk about that stuff all the time. Yeah. And it does create a reaction within me to talk about it because I talk about it so infrequently. So I think I might need to go back and kind of write the story so that I can sort through all of that information. And I don't know. I went through counseling And learned to be in tune, worded differently, but to be in tune with what's going on with your body right now. Because I hold a lot of stress in my hips. And I told you earlier, I have a hip problem. Then I got hit by a car, which I landed on my hip. So that just compounded it. So I think if I wasn't aware of what was going on inside my body, I wouldn't be able to function. I just wouldn't. I would be a hunched over person going through life, not really making eye contact with anybody. So I have to be in tune so, hearing this from you it's it's validating like my own experience. I don't know it intellectually what it's happening, but as you're saying it, I'm like, yes that that is what I experience mm-hmm. in my day to day life. Now I'm understanding the science behind it, which is really cool. so
1: and you know what else everything with everything you've just said and how much you've studied this, Kristen brings up an amazing point because you have this awareness and have studied your own soul science that I have done the exact same thing with him. I was at an event with you and I just found myself and Kristen knows I do not tell, I don't really talk about myself very often. And I certainly don't talk about things personal. You have this vibe. So now we're understanding it's this energy that you have cultivated around you that, draws people must I mean it's drawn us in and so we feel the need to tell you these <laughs> that things no. I was just gonna say s- that was my question is have you found that now people are so drawn to you so you're like whoa people I only have so much juice here in the day and I've got my beautiful wife and my two kids right or have you just said no it's actually it's a good thing I can manage it I love it how how has gift. yeah how has you identifying and strengthening your own, the energy of your own soul affected interactions with people.
2: Yeah. So it's a it's a fine-tuned dance, right? Givers must set limits because takers don't, right? And so I really believe you have to create strong discerning boundaries over who you give your energy to. But it becomes so much easier when you are taking the, the practices to move yourself into a coherent state, to be high vibe. Because have you ever, have you ever like you know, walked up to a hotel desk or something or at the airport where you could go to three different people Mm -hmm. and you have a choice to choose which one and one of them's sitting there grumpy. Mm -hmm. One of them's just, which one do you go to? Right. (laughs) You're attracted to go the one with the highest vibe. Yeah. And no one has to explain it. It's not like you need some, you know, variable chart where you're check marking things. No, it's a feeling. So yeah, there's a lot of people attracted to that. But in a similar way, that like if you put a North Magnet and a North Magnet together, they push apart. A lot of times somebody that's grumpy is not going to come up to somebody that's high vibe. They're like, oh, you think you're all that, huh? Must be nice having a perfect life, right? Mm-hmm. So those uh, the wrong ones a lot of times, they're they're rejected out of your life because of that, that incoherence that they're bringing to you. But yeah, you have to set really clear discerning lines and you start to intuitively be connected to who's right for you and wrong for you. And a lot of the sciences I teach, like, I, I love astrology, right? Even though most of it's hippy dippy woo woo that has no practical application and it's like reading a fortune cookie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is real credence. And if you can understand this about yourself, you can also understand your psychic abilities. Everybody has psychic abilities. I don't care what anyone believes, it's real. But we also have core intuition and the, the most important aspect of soul science, our brain is designed to solve problems, it's it's designed to avoid pain. Mm -hmm. It's not the best decision maker. Every single listener here, if you're in business, you know human beings make decisions emotionally and they justify them logically. So our intuition that's connected to our emotionality and our body set and our feelings, everyone has a unique type of intuition. There's about seven different types and everybody has a unique pathway to theirs. And so part of the process of studying soul science is understanding those psychic abilities and that intuition so that your discernment is not just happening logically. You can override the reactionary responses to trauma, post-traumatic stress, and make decisions with your soul, with your core authority internally. And as Mm -hmm. hippy-dippy as that may sound, I feel it's really important to just share the top two, right? Have you ever been told to trust your gut? Mm
1: -hmm. Yes.
2: Okay. Well, 50% of the planet doesn't have a gut to trust right about 50 percent of the world it's like 40 some odd percent out of the seven types 80 plus percent is two types one is gut response intuition and it literally is like a twisted knot in your stomach you go to move forward you're like wait something doesn't feel right here Mm -hmm. sacral sounds if you're not familiar with those you need to ask a question have a response the first words Of a child with gut response intuition aren't words, they're sacral sounds. Uh Uh-huh, uh-uh. No matter what language you speak, where in the planet you are, if you're gut response intuitive, uh uh-huh and uh uh-uh are are core responses to the gut, right? It's called sacral authority. It's the sacral center. It's a nervous collection inside the human body where we generate electrical energy, has access to information beyond what we can even process with our brain. The other side is called emotional clarity intuition, which is governed by the solar plexus. And you don't make decisions in the now. You only make decisions in the now when your gut response intuition. But if your emotional clarity intuition, you have to process all of your emotions. Right. And it's always a, a fuck yes, a hell no or a not now. There's no in between. Hey, do you want to do this thing? Ah, then it's a not now. Do you want to do this thing? Ah, then it's a fuck no. Right. It's it's. Fuck yes, hell no, or not now. I hope I can be, yeah. be be profane. We
1: made up the rules, yeah.
2: So do it. My point is, <laughs> it's, it's really us. important to understand your core intuition type because the more in tune you get with that, then it becomes super easier. Like, eh. and back to that North Pole, North Pole. There's just an automatic discernment. The same as when you get in line and you see the grump versus mm-hmm. the cheerful person, you you just naturally gravitate where mm-hmm. the energy lives, mm-hmm. and the one rule of energy, and back to Oh, how are you not overwhelmed? Yeah, time's hard to manage. But what I found about energy, as soon as like I could be dead tired. And as soon as I connect with someone that has high vibe energy, we actually compound each other and we walk away from that conversation lit up. Yeah. To go pour effort into our business, into our family, into other things. So that's, for that's me, I, on the
1: daily. Mm-hmm. I believe energy
2: management is more important than time management.
1: Ooh, snap. I really do. That was my job. Yeah.
0: I'm thinking about that. Yesterday was like a back-to-back-to-back, which we have a lot of days like that. If they're um, back-to-back of just lists of work we have to do, that's different. If It just depends on how much energy each thing on our schedule is going to take from us. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the end of the day, I was like, I should be tired, but I'm like pumped. I'm so excited, you know? And I was like, I think physically I am tired, but mentally I'm just like, yes, that was such a good day. Mm-hmm. And I think in the past... I would give in to that physical telling me I'm tired and I would go, okay, I'm tired. I need, I need a drink. I need to sit on the couch. I, you know, I'm just going to go with it. But telling myself, I'm going to go with this positive energy, this excitement. So what is, how does that tie in or how does that translate into what you're saying?
2: Yeah. So a couple of things, you know, in, in simple form, there's only one cause of death, a lack of oxygen, right? Oxygen doesn't get to the brain. You die. So, whether that's you bleed to death, you have a heart attack, oxygen. So, if you go study consciousness, our emotional state governs our breathing pattern. If someone's depressed, sad, fearful, where do we breathe? Only in the bottom of our lungs. You're talking about the hunched over. We're only just breathing to the bottom of our lungs. When we're angry and we're pissed off or fired up, We've got our edge on for the world. We're only breathing on <laughs> top of our lungs. I'm going to kick ass. Uh, mm-hmm. Right? There's there's no full breath there. So we're limiting the oxygen in our bodies. So if you think about this, high vibe, if you study the, the conscious frequency scale, you could just Google emotional frequency scale. And it's a zero to a thousand frequency. 90% of the world population lives below 200. Wow. They're never even encouraged. They live in pride and fear and a whole bunch of low vibrations. Well, it's, it's also affecting your exact oxygen levels and your breathing patterns in real time. So the more people you spend time with that are in those high vibrations, they're using all their lungs. Think about on your birthday, how you breathe mm-hmm. on your birthday. You're just yeah. like, it's my birthday. <laughs> so in essence and in simplicity, you're putting more oxygen in the body. So whether you're using breath work or all these little micro tools to get charged up in your daily ritual or... You know, manage your energy throughout the day. None of that compares to the breathing pattern effect that our emotions and the people in our environment's emotions create for our body. So it Mm -hmm. all comes back to oxygen. So when you have a ton of oxygen in your body, you have more energy. Mm -hmm. We've yet to find a place to live Mm -hmm. off planet yet because there's no oxygen anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So in summary, that's really the core science behind it. Yeah. Right. When a baby cries, forgive me for interrupting. When a baby cries... All the empaths, people that have empathic feeling, think of when a baby cries, even in a restaurant, especially if you're a mom. Oh my goodness. When that baby cries, think about its breath leaving its body. When it gets to the bottom, the whole restaurant kind of panics for a second (laughs) because there's no oxygen and that is actually creating a conscious frequency close to death, Mm -hmm. right? 30 Mm -hmm. is guilt. 20 is shame. Zero is death. So in that moment everyone wants to jump and like someone help the freaking baby so the baby doesn't die It seems like it's dying right and we get super tense you ever been on an airplane baby's crying mm-hmm. screws with your emotional mm-hmm. state yeah sound which hopefully we have time today I'll I'll bring that up too sound affects our emotional state in fact I'll just I'll just cover it real quick cuz this is part of soul science and that's why I go by Jeremy Eugene Wilson I go by my full name if I walk up to a piano anywhere on the planet right now and I enter three ascending notes: bum, bum, bum. I'm just making that sound with my mouth, mm-hmm. but you can you can feel it, right? Bum, bum, bum. It creates an emotive response of relaxation, inspiration, aka the ability to breathe. That's why I love inspire the vibe. If you actually look at the the Latin roots of inspire, it means to add oxygen to the same three notes in a descending pattern. For, instead of bum, 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 bum bum, 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 it creates the opposite reaction. It creates a restriction, causes us to want to protect our stomach, protect our vitals, mm-hmm. causes us to restrict our breathing and feel fear and other frequencies. So just with that alone, sound, mm. sound can affect our, and, and influence our emotional states as well. Not just humans, but animals are wow. influenced. That's why if one notes off in a song, even if that song is in another language, we're like, ah, oh,
1: uh-huh. we feel it. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's so much in my mind that's just, like, relating to everything. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. So are you thinking about Kennedy? You weren't even thinking about mm-hmm. it. So Kennedy, we work oh, yeah. with her on a daily basis. She's kind of—she's our right hand. Mm-hmm. She's not kind of our right hand. She is our right hand. And so she'll she's just a killer. Like, she's just amazing. Yeah. And so um, we'll be doing something together, and we're all on a call. She's in Utah, so we don't get to physically be around her, but we feel her energy all the time. And she's so good for us, but she'll— She'll go, like she always, when she's doing something, she's making a little sound. And so we kind of make fun of it now. And so now we do it, but it makes me smile and it makes me happy every time she does it. That's it. That's what it is. (laughs) You know? And we don't know what, we're like, why do you do it? She's like, I don't know. I just do it, you know? And it's so cute. But there was another thing that you said. um, Oh, I started producing events. That's how I started this business, and it was the Inspired Market, and we'd have live music. And um, I couldn't handle if somebody was off key, or, or they were singing off key, or if the they had a you know guitarist who was off key. So I was super strict about like you had to like audition to be at my event because you were going to ruin the vibe if you just sing off key. And some people are just like. I'm just practicing, so I want to get some gigs and just do like a little market on the street or whatever. You know, I'm like, not mine, you know, just because it, it ruined the experience for my vendors, for my
1: attendees. Like, I couldn't have it's an it. an
2: emotional distraction. Yeah,
1: exactly. When we think about energy and what you're putting out there, how does that then, how is that affected by physical health, physical strength, what you eat nutritionally, the amount of water you put in your body. Does that affect your soul's energy?
2: Absolutely. So the way I like to describe it, if right now I walked out to any car in the parking lot and I took the battery out and I dumped half of the liquid out of the battery, where would the electricity be stored? So yes, water is the greatest conductor in our body. And when you add the right minerals, salt, Mm -hmm. now it's like a super battery. If I Mm -hmm. took two glasses of water right here and I measured the electrical charge of that water, They'd be the same. As soon as I put a teaspoon of real salt in one and stirred it up, how does the electricity increase in this water? How is it storing more electricity? Well, there's electrical energy in our environment. Whether you believe that or not doesn't matter. There's a North Pole and a South Pole on Mm -hmm. this Earth. The sun is just one big ball of energy. And if we didn't have this electrical auric field around the Earth, we would be irradiated by the sun. Only the positive energetic light comes through our our you know ionosphere and this auric bubble around the earth. Similar way, yeah, the human body, everything you eat, everything you consume has an effect on that. And so yes, you're allowing we've got so many synthetic electrical energies. That's actually probably really important for everyone to study. Wi-Fi, cell signals. They've proven it's highly damaging to the human body mm-hmm. and our electrical signal. Our, bi- our, our body's ability to even communicate pain and heal mm-hmm, can yeah. be limited yeah. from synthetic electrical charge in your home. So, yeah, the foods you eat, they all have a certain vibrational level. You eat a product that's just a bunch of crazy things put together to last six years in a store versus whole mm-hmm. food. Kirlian Photography, K-I-R-L-I-A-N. I encourage everyone Google Kirlian Photography. If you look at Curlean t- photography of like a McDonald's hamburger, there's no electrical light. But if you look at Kirlian photographer or photography of like a piece of spinach, wow. it, it's yeah. vibrating with a lot of energy and electrical light or an apple, for instance. Longer that apple's off the tree, well, mm-hmm. the less that electrical activity is going to be contained within that apple that's going to then be transferred to your body. Mm-hmm. So there was something you said earlier specifically about Opening up and feeling your emotions. And so for whatever reason, I'm feeling like shifting to this topic. Mm-hmm. Anyone ever heard of Hay House Publishing? I have. It's one of the biggest publishing houses on the planet, Hay House. It was founded by Louise Hayes. And back in the 70s and 80s, she she's like one of the core researchers that brought a lot of this into what I should say outside of pseudoscience into like verifiable evidence and mm-hmm. science. And she wrote a book called Heal Your Body, Heal Your Life. And it's actually... A little field guide where you could be like, My left ear. What's going on with my left ear? This is what's going wow. on with my left ear. Wow. The the physical condition is always governed by some kind of either metaphysical or some kind of consumptive material, whether that's mental, physical, food. There's always an energetic influence to every single physical ailment in the body. And it can be it can be reverse diagnosed. Literally. I, I encourage everyone, Google and buy that book, heal your body, heal your life, just read about it. Yeah. Because Got you'll it. start you'll start to mm-hmm. have guidance. You'll be like, wow, oh, this is what's going mm-hmm. on. Why do I have a why do I have pimples? Mm-hmm. Oh, what kind of anger are you harboring? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with my left foot? Oh, it's this thing. Like mm-hmm. there's there's always some kind of tangible effect on any outer influence, whether it's food, electrical energy, mm-hmm. emotional energy from yourself or other people, to cause an effect on our light vehicle. Mm-hmm.
0: This is so important. It's so important. So I shouldn't have brought my phone in here because now it's ringing. Um, But it's so important. But um, people, so people here are like, you should put some salt in your water or that's not good for you. You shouldn't eat that. And other people might respond with, why not? It's fine. I feel fine. It doesn't affect me. Mm. For me. But we know. For me, I, my body does react. I was telling you this earlier, my body reacts to things. And so I'll be talking to Amber about, I, I don't know why, but I can't have canola oil anymore. And now it's all over that canola oil and seed oils are really bad for you. I just had to stop eating it because I would have like immediate reaction to it. I'd get like lightheaded, you know, and people are like, oh, you're, are you allergic to it? Well, that doesn't really sound like an allergic reaction, like getting lightheaded. Sorry, that's what happens Poor to me. get brain fog. I get brain fog, yeah. But I'll get, I mean, even dizzy sometimes to as a reaction to something that I eat. Why do you think that people don't seem to want to go deep with this stuff? You know, like if, if somebody says you should put salt in your water, because a lot of that's happening. People are just telling people what they should and shouldn't do, but they're not giving them the insight behind why it's important and what it does. And I think it's probably people who do have that knowledge they realize no one cares. No one, no one's listening. So maybe that's why they're not going into it. I don't know. But why don't people care?
2: So it's so easy. Does anyone remember the show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader?
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: There's a reason that show is created. And if you're a writer, if you've ever written books or you've ever been in any kind of publishing, whether it's news articles, there's a, a really simple method taught called Hemingway, right? Where... You've, you've got to write at a 5th to 8th grade level. Do you want to know why? Because when we turn somewhere between... It used to be between age, you know, 10 and 15. Now it's some somewhere between age 6 and 10. We start looking at our parents like, no, nah, i got my own beliefs, right? And so the reason I share this is most human beings think their dialogue in their head is very layman's terms. We think like layman's. 5th, maybe 8th grade max. So why should I not put salt in my body? Big words that I don't know what they mean. <laughs> that makes me feel stupid. And the core of like the human mind, there's only three parts of the mind. You got the frontal lobe, right? Long-term safety. And you've got the middle, which is status, our reputation with ourself and our status in society. And then survival. And status is like the reputation of myself. I don't want to read a book that makes me feel dumb. I don't want to read words I don't understand because it makes me feel dumb. And if I feel dumb, I can't trust myself. And that reduces my own internal self-worth. And it might reduce my status externally. Mm-hmm. And because we lived in tribes for thousands of years until, what, 100, 150 years ago, even then, before we had mass telecommunication, you only interacted with maybe 1,000 people your whole life. And you were in a reputation circle. And if your self-worth seemed low, you were a, you were a harm to the, the tribe. But if your status in that tribe dropped as a man, you might not get to have kids Mm. and your bloodline might not get to live on. So it's really Mm. our programmed ancestral survival is the reason most people, they don't even seek it out because it reduces our our status and our self-reputation. And unless it's put in layman's terms, nobody gives a fuck. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: I think there's also uh, what are the consequences of me accepting that what you're saying is true?
2: Oh, that's absolutely if
0: what you're saying is true, that means I have to da, da da. I have to change. I have to give this thing up or this thing that's so important to me. And I've learned in my old age we're we're turning forty seven this year.
1: <laughs> Hello. Um, <laughs> she puked and I got I celebrated. That's where we're that's, at, brother.
0: That's where I'm at with age. She's actually accepting. No, I'm fine. I'm actually fine. We're not getting
2: older. We're getting better.
0: It's when I say it that I, but I don't think about it. I actually don't feel. I don't feel old. But anyways, now I forgot what I was saying because I'm old. No, we were talking no, about. Yeah. So people I,
2: reject that information. And, but what I realized dissonance. is,
0: is if if you don't if you reject it you're, again, you're fighting something. So now you're causing yourself stress and you're, it's resistance. Yeah. How I, How can I think if I'm in, if I'm in constant resistance to something? Mm-hmm. I can't think straight. I can't deal with str- other outside stress. I can't deal with pressure or I can't perform. When I start to realize how many people are relying on me, I no longer am going to resist things. I'm not gonna be stupid. If something needs my attention and I need to realize it, accept it and move on from it or whatever it is I need to do, I got to do it because people are relying on me. But also like then I realize I enjoy living in peace, you know, I enjoy not being wound up. Ignorance is bliss. Mm -hmm.
2: Ignorance is truly bliss. So but it's not. It's not. No, it's It's, but there is a perception of bliss. Like if we knew a comet was going to hit tomorrow. We're going to be freaked out. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you rather not know? Mm-hmm. That's bliss, mm-hmm. right? I'd rather live in the bliss that I. <laughs> I okay, we're yes, not going to get hit, yeah, yeah, definitely, right? And so, um, if you study, you, you know, just it. base psychology. Have you ever looked up the cognitive bias wheel?
1: So.
2: so this is how the brain works. So it's there's literally a cool image. If you Google cognitive bias wheel, I encourage everybody to Google this. This is the this is the way we lie to ourselves, and cognitive bias means. Like we believe something to be true so that, one, our reputation and status remains high so that we can trust ourselves to make decisions on this planet. Because if I'm wrong, gosh, where else can I trust myself to not Mm -hmm. make decisions? So there's a cognitive bias wheel with literally hundreds of psychological ways that we justify lying to ourselves. And it's those biases that create cognitive dissonance, which is what you just described. Our inability to accept the truth that competes with our existing beliefs. So we just reject them. Mm -hmm. So long before we ever get to cognitive dissonance, there's already like a subconscious wall up that's like, nope, I'm rejecting all of those things. I used to be extremely ignorant. I grew up in Montana. I'm a country boy. I might look a little city, but I grew up in John Wayne culture. So I remember when I first started hiring coaches, I was like, this isn't going to make me money. Shut up. What are we talking about? I remember the first guy that came to me and was like, yeah, Jeremy, you need to hire a feng shui expert. <laughs> I was like, "Feng what?" You're telling me if I put some lemons in my kitchen, my life's gonna get better. You're on crack, right? I didn't believe any of this stuff because where I grew up, if you expose any inkling of weakness to mm. any males in in society, you were rejected. You were seen as weak, and that would affect you emotionally, socially, and financially. So cognitive bias and cognitive dissonance is just the reaction of our inability to take on new beliefs. And if you just like go back to the emotionality, there's, there's four levels of what I would call, you know, some people think care is universal. I care, but most people they're literally. They have pity and sympathy for themselves, and they have this victim mentality that life mm-hmm. happens to them. Mm-hmm. And so if you've supported those beliefs and you've sought for evidence to support the beliefs that life happens to me, pity, ah, woe is me, and sympathy, at least I'm still here, and you don't actually move into empathy where you accept things that are wrong in your life, then you're never going to move to compassion where betterment really lives. There's four levels of care, pity, sympathy, empathy, which is just acknowledgement of pain. Yours or others. Most people have no idea how to communicate empathy and so saying, you're suffering, you're hurting. Mm-hmm. That's all empathy is. Compassion is I want better. I want to improve. Mm-hmm. There's a very small amount of the world, like five, 10% max, mm-hmm. that have genuine empathy and compassion capability.
0: Yeah. Number one, uh, if you like an addict, they can never get better until they say, I want to get better. I don't want to be like this anymore. They have to come to that point where I don't want to be like this anymore. And I think it's true with anything, you know, you constantly have chaos in your life or you constantly are, you know, it's like, oh, there's always something. I'm always dealing with something. You got to realize that sometimes that does have to do with your choices. And so you got to kind of reverse engineer You are the chaos, you know, when that's happening, you are the chaos.
1: You're drawing the chaos in.
0: And when I, when I went through counseling, wonderful thing that my counselor taught me is she's like, You got to talk, you talk to yourself in a way that if you talk to a friend that way, they wouldn't be your friend anymore. So you got to start having empathy for yourself. You got to pretend that there's a Kristen sitting next to you going, girl, it's okay. Let it out. Let's breathe. Let's, you know, you got to do that self-talk, you know, I've always had empathy for others. And I absorb that energy sometimes, which is a bad thing. I can't watch uh, intervention. Can't watch it. Like I had to turn, turn that shit off because I will get depressed you know, I want to take it on. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's so bad. But it's also there's there's the positives in it as well, where I can I can see that something's going on. And I'm like, OK, we need to stop for a second. Let's talk about this. You know, and I've gotten better about that over time. But um, but yeah, it's it's so powerful. All this stuff is so powerful. I feel like we could. It is. But I All do there. feel like we're running out of time, which just means you're going to have to come back again.
2: Again. Can you do that? As many do, times as
1: you do. Like. I love this. I do. This have, was amazing. I do. Have I might listen question. to it three times. I do have a final question because I think it's really important for all of us as individuals on this journey of even someone listening to this now saying, I want to become more aware of my energy and I want to be actively intentional on creating a more positive energy and affecting myself and affecting the lives of others around me. As I've been listening to you this whole time, the one thing I keep thinking about is I keep coming back to your tribe. Even even recently, some of the changes and some of the the commitments that Kristen and I have made as a result of uh, Andy Elliott and the Elliott family and the Army and all the people up there challenging us to break through to new levels, there have been some ideas and thought processes that I have been operating on that haven't been serving me Mm. and they have challenged me in the in in that thinking and in my behaving even in the way I'm eating um, which is a good thing but when I think about why I feel capable and I'm confident to go and look at those things and say is this really serving me am I the best version of myself how can I think differently act differently feel differently it's because I'm surrounded by her and by people like you and so many others in this network and it is a it is a small community because you go to these events and you keep seeing the same people and so i would say for anybody listening saying i want to do these things i want to unlock that next level of my business because i know that it's going to come from all of the things that we've been talking about the first thing i would say instead of trying to go find this book and listen to this podcast listen to this podcast but listen to other podcasts or do the research I would say, go find your tribe. Go find the people who are on this journey of self-discovery and exploration. And they're in an environment where they're constantly challenging themselves. Because when I hear things like I did on the call last night with our friends at Earn It All, I just, man, I've been, I've been operating on some bad advice nutritionally that mm-hmm. I got when I was racing bikes. And that has limited me physically. And so that's limited me professionally. Yeah. And, but I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Because I can talk to Kristen about it, or I can talk to you about it. And I can say, man, I got, I'm going to on some bad information here. So, but you all meet me at that space saying, all right, cool. What are you going to do about it? Let's go. Right. So that would be my advice on, listening to all of this and saying how do I really incorporate this go find your tribe go find that group of people who's on that path but to either of you have challenge you who will challenge you but to either of you have anything that you can think of this is why I feel confident to go out and confront those things in myself and the way I'm behaving or acting
0: dude I just want to live like we only have one life you know I love it and I think it's it's the gratitude you know, waking up in the morning and just like looking around and, you know, whatever it is around you that you love, that loves you, that, you know, so love and just gratitude and and caring for the th- those things, those things that you're grateful for, putting the care and the time into those. It's it is fulfilling, mm-hmm. you know, and so I don't know. I mean, once you focus on that, it's kind of you kind of start to shed away all those other bad habits where you maybe need too much from somebody or you're feeling, you're, you're having like feelings of maybe jealousy or fear or um, uh, anxiety, you know, any of those negative feelings, they, they kind of just shed away, right?
2: Yeah. So <clears throat> I love a combination of both those things. So the, the three core drivers of human behavior, you know what they are? The three, the three, nu- the, the number three things that cause us to push the button, pull the lever. Walk this way versus this way. Love fear. One, fear. avoiding discomfort and death. Okay. That's the number one motivator. We're looking for sharp edges to avoid. We're watching for tigers in the bushes. I was gonna
1: say, we're looking for the saber-toothed tiger.
2: But why so why are so many people living in discomfort and suffering and misery? You go, well, if if our core driver is to avoid discomfort, why do so many humans continue to take action yeah. that keeps them in discomfort? Well, the other two drivers of human behavior are very powerful. Identity is the number two, our identity. All the roles we play in life. Mm-hmm. Am I a good son or a bad son? Am I a good Christian or a bad Christian? Am I a good friend, a bad friend? A good dad, a bad dad? Mm-hmm. There's a scale. It's not a light switch. It's a dimmer switch, right? Will this decision make me a good dad or a bad dad? When I look in the mirror, my reputation with myself will improve or decrease. We don't think of this, but our identity drives a huge amount of our behavior. So you talk mm-hmm. about elite earner. Mm-hmm. I help those guys create that identity around that brand because it's an identity. Mm-hmm. It's an us versus them. And that's where the third piece comes in. So the part you said, very valid, but I want to I want to even upgrade it a little bit. Our peer group is the number one driver that will shift behavior more than anything. If you end up in a peer group, that the standards are here. It's okay to do drugs and be sexually liberal and whatever those chate other on your low wife, standards are.
1: On your husband. As mm-hmm. soon
2: as you're in that environment, no matter your upbringing, they've proven it, no matter your conditioning your upbringing, the fastest way to change your behavior is enter a group of peers with low standards or high standards. It doesn't matter. Peer pressure in that social environment drives our behavior more than anything else. Wow. Groupthink. <clears throat> you take 100, a 122-year-old males, sit them down in a one-on-one interview. Do you love to binge drink till you're sick? Oh my God, I hate that. It's horrible. I never want to do it again. Every time I do it, I hate myself the next day. I hate doing that. All 100 of them say they hate it. You put them in those, in another room. Who here wants shots to get messed up and drink till they explode shots 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 and a lot of it's stereotypes and things that come with peer groups of what we assume we're supposed to do at certain ages who we're supposed to be but back to my point the standards of the people you surround yourself with yes that influences your behavior more than any other single aspect however what if you're in a community where there is no tribe then you've got to be the leader you've got to say hey it's time for me i live in america we have a constitution here right So a lot of people talk about in your company, you got to have values and principles. No, you need to have a constitution. Mm -hmm. You need to have your own personal constitution of standards, Mm -hmm. values, and then the principles that drive those behaviors. When you create that for yourself and back to who you let in and who you don't, hey, I love and care about you too much to accept that behavior in my circle. So if you want to be in my circle, this is the behavior I'm going to either accept or allow, or you need to improve Mm -hmm. as a coach, as a guide, as a leader, we're responsible also be at the forefront of leading those tribes. And it's not some, you know, top of the pyramid food chain. It's an upside down pyramid where people can stand on our shoulders on the values we're demonstrating that we're leading as a model and example of. So anyway, so I really good. firmly believe oh that's a huge driver. So, so good.
0: good. And and that's why company culture is so important. And maybe that maybe that could be something we talk about next that's, time.
2: That's everything. Yeah. Company culture. Yeah. And how do you how do you actually instill that culture so that you know, when someone thinks about an organization, they don't think about just the leader. That's mm-hmm. back to that pyramid, mm-hmm. pyramid down where it's like mm-hmm. traditional C-suite org charts where it's mm-hmm. like person at the top. And then, you no, know, it's got to be upside down where those values are demonstrated so strongly and enforced so strongly at the bottom. That
1: they're the foundation.
2: Do you think of that organization? Like you talk about the Ellie group and you're like, wow, everyone there is disciplined. Yeah. yeah. Everyone there is going to tell you the truth, but they're also warm. They, they show up and mm-hmm. play with their heart. Yep. Right. And so those standards begin to like infiltrate and then back to status and identity. There's a personal confidence in that where you can take ownership over it. Mm -hmm. And then that that fills into, no, I'm going to choose growth. I'm going to choose truth instead of comfort. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to escape all my cognitive biases and all my environmental conditioning faster than any any other way you can do it. So
1: and that right there is how you scale your business. That is how you create massive impact in your life in a very short amount of time.
2: Absolutely. Right there. Yeah, it's true.
1: We can't wait to have you back. We have I know. every conversation with you hours. is, okay, we need to have him back. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thank y'all. Thank you. All. Thank you, yeah, thank you for sharing your wisdom. It. Thank yeah. you for sharing your heart. Thank you for sharing your energy with us in this space and everybody who's listening. Thank you so much.
0: That's a wrap for today's journey on Inspired After Hours. We hope our conversations have offered you unique insights and ignited your own aspirations. Remember, every story we share is a beacon of wisdom meant to inspire your own path. Stay with us as we continue to delve into the lives of successful leaders. Subscribe to stay tuned and join us next time on Inspired After Hours. Until then, stay inspired.